Good afternoon, my renegades. Welcome back to Rogue Radio. Today is it's time to talk about it. Yes. And uh, we're going to be talking about fake televangelism because I hate it. Other people hate it. And uh, if you don't hate it, I'm sure after this podcast, you'll hate it too. So, yes, jump in the trenches with me and uh, let's uncover some stuff. any comments, questions, or concerns, feel free to contact me on any of the links listed below on my Anchor page, Instagram, YouTube, all of that good jazz. Let's just get right into it. Now, the main reason why I wanted to talk about this was because I grew up in a religious home. I grew up going to church every Sunday, going to Sunday school. Just, I was raised in a church. I was raised in a church. And I'm not saying that the church that I went to was a bad church. Um, but I grew up in a religious home. Very religious. Like, you, before you, you could not eat before you prayed over your food. And um, there was a lot of like little meticulous um, rituals that uh, we did in our home because that was just how, you know, my parents were raised and that's how I was raised. And um, now that I'm about, you know, in my 30s now, uh, I realize that uh, you don't really need any of all that, like all that stuff. Uh, when it comes to, like, praying over your food and, and giving money to a church and all of that stuff. It's just a bunch of flashy stuff that um, preachers or sometimes televangelists just believe in. Like, hey, you know, you should give 10% to a church. You should give 10% of your tithe to God. We understand that. We understand that any anybody who's a Christian on here will understand like yeah you can you can give 10% to a church you can give 10% to God one thing that I realized after I left the church after I just I stopped going to a church because I've just been hurt by it so much but um, one thing I learned is that uh, tithing isn't always your money I mean yes you're supposed to give 10% of your uh, earnings to Christ, but I realized that it's not, you don't always have to give to a church that you go to. You can also give to the poor. You can also give uh, your tithing as not just money, but your time with God, your um, talents, your gifts, your abilities, all of this stuff. And I feel like certain churches, I'm not going to say all churches do this, but certain churches really do want to crack down on like these small religious things like praying over your food and giving 10% and all these little things and it's not necessarily needed for the church to flourish I feel like 
Um, I mean, yes, tithing will help building funds for the church and all of that stuff. But what I'm saying is I don't believe that a Christian could should be confined to a box to where they feel like they have to be perfect. Perfectionism is one thing that was really... Um, how do I say this? It was really like a priority in my home. Like perfection was a thing that you had to be in order to be a Christian. And that messed me up when I was a kid. Um, and yeah, so we're going to be talking about televangelism. <laughs> I was going to segue into it, but I don't know if I can. Basically what I'm saying is that people... Like, if you think about just a regular church, if you go to a church and you go, you know, give tithing and offering and stuff like that, I'm not shaming anybody who does that. Just think of a regular church that you've seen or that you've gone to once or that you regularly go to. Okay, now think of a televangelist church like Benny Hinn's or Kenneth Copeland's or Paula White's. Um, those are the people that I'm going to be talking about today. Because... Here we have a regular church that does everything humbly, does everything not correct, because I, I believe that, you know, churches, they make mistakes, you know, inevitably. It doesn't mean that they're bad, you know, people who run it. It's just, uh, we're not perfect. But they do everything according to God's will. They do their best, all of that. But then we get a church taken to the extreme to where there's so many gimmicks and so many uh, questions like, oh, hey, you know, why don't you, you know, give like $100 or $300 to my church so I could get a private jet so I don't have to be in a tube with a bunch of demons. <laughs> That's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, Christianity, just like any other religion, can be taken to a very big extreme. Um, a lot of people call it the charismatic prosperity Christian movement. And um, I just call it crap. I just do. I call it as I see it. This is the reason why I have Rogue Radio. That way I can tell you guys how it is. So let's get into it. Let's just go. One of the main things that a televangelist has to have in order to be as successful, is an easily manipulated congregation. And also a doctrine that they can manipulate and twist as well. Creflo Dollar, Benny Hinn, um, Paula White, Joel Osteen, and um, Jesse Duplantis and Kenneth Copeland. All right. Those are about maybe the six preachers that I know that consistently keep saying that we're gods, like you and I are gods. That's not biblical. And they will do everything that they can in order to teach you that you are a god, that you are equal to Christ. And um, that's not biblical. It does say in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not bow to any other gods before me. That includes yourself. I understand if, you know, 
you're bowing down to another god. Like, if you weren't raised in a Christian family, like if you're Buddhist or Hindu, you're bowing down to another god. Yeah, okay. We get that. We understand that's like the basic thing, right? That's the basic thing that, that explains that, ten, that, that commandment, right? But God's not just talking about other gods, like, that other people worship, okay? It's also idolization, okay? We can idolize a um, pastor on a pulpit. We can idolize a football team um, quarterback on a football team. Uh, we can idolize celebrities. We can idolize trends. We can idolize the internet. We can idolize anything. Whatever takes up the majority of time from you and God, that's what, that's how it becomes a God instead of God himself. So when people like Creflo Dollar and Benny Hinn and all these other people say that we are gods, no, you're not. You're not. I don't understand how a pastor or a um, preacher, prosperity preacher, 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 wow, okay, a prosperity preacher can stand there and say, oh, we're gods. And um, yeah, that's it. I mean, cats produce cats, dogs produce dogs, gods create gods. No, that's not how it is. And I don't think they, I think they've lost touch on how powerful a human being can be, like a child of God can be. Because it says in the Bible that we will do greater things and that um, we are able to raise the dead, cast out demons, walk on water. I mean, we're basically superhumans if we have enough faith. And I love that. And that's beautiful. You don't have to be a god in order to do miracles in somebody's life. And yes, I am talking like Christian-wise. And trust me, I'm not trying to push my belief on anybody. If you are listening and you are not a Christian, I love you very much. I do. Um, I welcome everybody on my uh, podcast. So don't feel pressured to listen to this. I am just expressing why I don't like uh, televangelism. And I don't like how um, the gospel of Christ has been twisted to the point where everything benefits this one preacher. Instead of giving to the poor and missions and all this stuff. And that's that's something that I, I just passionately want to talk about and you don't necessarily have to be a Christian in order to listen to this you don't have to be a Christian in order to not like what I don't like like you and I can have the same common interest in not liking televangelism and you don't have to be a Christian um, and I've seen so many Christians out there defending certain televangelists like, oh, he's a good person, like, why are you saying this stuff? And they'll come to this person's uh, defense and try to do everything they can in order to, like, tell me or tell other people that this person's a good person. But it, you, all you have to do is turn on the television and understand that all they want is your money. To televangelists, it's just business. And that's heartbreaking.
one of the people that has really gotten a lot of backlash, like a lot of backlash, is Kenneth Copeland. And I gotta admit, it's kind of funny to me <laughs> because he just acts so outlandish now. And um, he just acts crazy on uh, everything. I I wish I could explain this man. I really wish I could explain who Kenneth Copeland is. But basically, Kenneth Copeland is a man. Um, he's a preacher down in, uh, I want to say, Fort Worth, Texas. That's where he lives. And uh, he's got this big mega church. And um, he talks about God and us being gods as well. And uh, he's just said some very weird things and uh, we're gonna go and get those recordings for you so you can listen as well okay so this first one is a uh, this is like the reaction to Kenneth Copeland and Jesse Duplantis uh, earlier I want to say before this interview happened uh, him and Jesse Duplantis were sitting down on his Believer's Voice of Victory show and he was saying he was basically making an excuse on why he wanted a private jet. And he said, uh, you know, getting into a long tube with a bunch of demons. Uh, basically, what the um, public, how the public um, received it was, oh, he's saying that human beings are demons, which I can understand that. But from his explanation, which isn't at all good anyways um, he says it doesn't have to do anything with people it has everything to do with spirits that cling to people now that is something that actually happens like there are certain spirits that cling to other people that's why we're influenced by certain things like you know where some people are depressed that's just what I believe that um, there's this <laughs> just a spirit an evil spirit for every negative thing. Like, there's a spirit of poverty, there's a spirit of vagabond, there's a spirit of um, depression. And uh, he's trying to play it this way. But the thing is, is that just because you are a mega preacher doesn't mean that you have to have five private jets, Kenneth Copeland. I can understand if you want to have one. I mean, one is, uh, <laughs> is honestly pushing it. Because... I feel like the preacher, the, the famous preacher, like the image of the famous preacher or the, the evangelist um, has been tainted by people like Kenneth Copeland because we're supposed to, uh, as Christians, just kind of love other people. We're supposed to understand that humility is a big thing. and. Um, we're supposed to be like-minded, and we're supposed to be like Jesus. Jesus never had a private jet. Back in the time, of course, in biblical times, they never had private jets. But the thing is, is that Jesus wouldn't do that. He'd probably roll his eyes at Kenneth Copeland and be like, What the heck are you doing, bro? You could have sold that and given to missions. You could have done that. But instead, he has his own airport. He has five private jets. And he only uses one, apparently, so, but he keeps the other ones as trophies, so... Good on you, bro. But this one is basically the reaction... I cannot talk. <laughs> it's basically the reaction of 
how uh, Kenneth Copeland was explaining why he needed the next private jet, the newest private jet. So um, let's just play the clip. Why have you said that you won't fly commercial? You said that it's like getting into a tube. Get in a long tube. With a bunch of demons. With a bunch of demons. So, you heard that. Um, the one thing that I do want to point out is also how uh, Kenneth Copeland reacts to this. Now, you can uh, find this on um, YouTube. The... Um, YouTube name, or the, the YouTube video, is called Kenneth Copeland Acting Crazy for Four Minutes Straight, and it's from Jay Jadoff, uh, his channel. So, it's just basically a bunch of just nonsense that Kenneth Copeland has said, but I want you to listen to how he reacts to this woman, so... Stop the fear! Okay. Stop it right now. Mm. Believe. I'm mad. Give me a second. I need to find it. <laughs> That's not it. Okay, I'm sorry about that. I found it. Give me a second. I'm gonna play it for you guys. But yes, then again, just listen to how he reacts to this woman. And uh, if you guys want to look at it yourself, it's Inside Edition. It's from Inside Edition, and it's a full interview. Preacher Kenneth Copeland defends lavish lifestyle. So. We'd just like to ask you about why you don't want to fly commercial. Why have you said that you won't fly commercial? You said that it's like getting into a tube with a bunch of demons. Why do you think no, that? No, no, listen to me just a second. Of course. Not the people. The main reason is because of the need. If, if I flew commercial, I'd have to stop 65% of what I'm doing. That's really the main. Isn't it true that you want to fly commercial so that you can fly in luxury? How much money did you pay for Tyler Perry's Gulfstream jet, for example? Well, for example, that's really none of your business, but... <laughs> Isn't it the business of your donors? Listen, I pay... Yeah, it is the business of your donors, Kenneth Copeland, bro. Listen, um... You have, you should have people under you. If 65% of what you're going to be doing is going to stop just because you're flying commercial, you need people that you need to raise up that are under you. That's how a ministry works. That's how a lot of uh, preachers and a lot of ministries go under is because they do not raise up anybody else under them because when it comes to televangelism, they want the center of attention. Now, I understand that um, him and Sean Fouch, not Sean Fouch, I'm sorry, Todd White, him and Todd White have been really close. I know that he's been studying under him, but as far as him, that's the only person I know that is under him. But you have a team of people, Kenneth, that can help you run the 65% that may or may not stop in your ministry. And what are they doing? What are they doing? Twiddling their thumbs? 
um, being a preacher or being a televangelist, someone who's running a really big ministry, you have to have people under you and that are being taught the ways of the ministry. That way, if you are called to do something else, or if you're called by into a conference, or if you're called into, you know, some sort of meeting, that everything else is still running smoothly without you there for a few minutes or maybe a few days. That's just how ministry is supposed to be run. But the fact that... <laughs> I think this is just a lie, honestly. I just, I don't, I don't like preachers. I don't trust, um, televangelists. I just don't. I don't. I just don't. Um, uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, let's keep listening. <laughs> you kind of caught me off guard here, okay. Certainly. Well, if you'd like to come out here, I'd like to give you a chance to to catch your breath and and have a conversation. We don't want to we don't want to catch you off guard. I love Inside Edition. You got to get this now. Hey, you listen to me. My my wife thinks. Okay, now he's starting the conversation. Like, oh, I love Inside Edition. It's just so great. Um, I have been. It has been uh, kind of brought to my attention that Kenneth Copeland is the this alpha male. That he's a man of authority, and of course, men are supposed to be of authority in the household and in ministry. Yes, I understand that. Um, well, pastors should, um, but I don't. It's just weird. Is I really wish I could explain Kenneth Copeland, but he is an enigma. And if you watch this video, he's very strange. He's very strange. Inside Edition is, oh yeah. <laughs> now, explain. thank you, Lord, help me. This, let me, oh, let me yeah. pray. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me let me just ask you a really simple question. A lot of people think it's unbecoming for a preacher to live a life of luxury and to fly around in private jets. What's your response to that? Very simple. It takes a lot of money to do what we do. We have brought over a hundred. Let's see. This the latest. Oh yeah, yeah, bro. You have to think. Figures just came out. Uh, hundred and twenty-two million people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you another example. Last. And probably a hundred and twenty-two million dollars of their income, as well, bro. May. I was scheduled for Lagos, Nigeria. That's a long ways. I had a week off and I was scheduled for Peru. And I prayed about it and I thought, I'm not missing that dedication in Jerusalem without the airplane that we have that I bought from Tyler Perry. And I didn't pay anywhere in that's not the question that she asked. She asked, do you really think, why do you need so many private jets, sir? But you're like, oh, you know, we're about to go to Nigeria, we're about to go to Peru, and we're not missing the dedication in Jerusalem. Listen, if he's doing all that stuff, great. That's great. But listen, that's not what she's asking you. You're just trying to charm her out of the question that she's about to ask. 
Tyler's one of the greatest guys. He made it. He made that airplane so cheap for me. I couldn't help but buy it. Well, my question then. Well, well okay, all right, but I want to get to the demons because people are very concerned about that comment. Give me a chance here, Inside Edition. Okay. I love your eyes. And uh, okay. <laughs> here's what happened. We flew in 21 days, 70 hours, 40,000 miles, touched five continents, and preached face to face personally with 125,000 people. Do you ever. Do you ever use your private jets to go visit your vacation homes, for yes. example? Yes, I do. Okay. Again, getting back to the comment, you said that you don't like to fly commercial because you don't want to get into a tube with a bunch of demons. Do you really Here believe that human beings are demons? No, I do not. And don't you ever say I did. Ooh, okay. So he broke character. He broke character. He was upset. He was angry. See, the one thing that I love... Okay, it's bad. It's a bad thing that I love it, but I just... The one thing that I love about televangelists is that they can break character pretty quickly. Um, as charismatic and ha as charming as they can be, there's always a little breaking point. A little pinhole where you can see the real character of a televangelist and what they're actually trying to do. So, he's very upset. No, I do not. Don't you ever say I did. Like, no, 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 bro. You don't have to be angry. She's not confronting you. She's asking you. She wants to clear up the conversation. She wants to clear up the situation that you made on your Believer's Voice of Victory. Okay? She's not accusing you of anything. But he's acting so angrily towards her i honestly thought that she he was gonna hit her like she was gonna get hit because of how angry he is now this man is supposed to be just a loving man he's supposed to be a holy man and yes we all fall short sometimes but this is a man who basically has five different private jets has his own airport and says all these crazy stuff. There are people out there that are very fake. And yes, I believe that Kenneth Copeland is one of them. Because of this reaction and many other ones that I will be talking about. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. Can you explain what you meant by that? Yes. That by that term, then just just explain because it's really simple. You said you didn't want to get into a tube with a bunch of demons. What did you mean? The well, let me ask you. Do you think that let people that fly commercial are demons? Give me a chance to talk, sweetheart. I'll explain this to you. But it's a biblical thing. It's a spiritual thing. It doesn't have anything to do with people. Okay, we understand that. People, I love people. Jesus loves people, but people get pushed in alcohol do you think that's a good place for a preacher to be and prepare to go preach to a lot of people yes because jesus did it too you do realize kenneth kenneth 
you do realize that Jesus hung out with thieves and liars. If we are to be like-minded, just like Jesus was, um, yeah, you should fly coach. Because who knows, the person that you're sitting next to might need Jesus too, bro. And honestly, I feel like t just touching one life by sitting in coach is a lot more believable and a lot more touching and a lot more meaningful than touching thousands of lives over one crusade. Because I'm not saying that it's wrong to have crusades or anything like that. I do believe that it's meaningful if the person who's making it and who, who is, um, you know, um, created this whole thing, like, if you have a good heart, then the crusade will go well, okay? That's all I'm saying. I'm saying that the fact that he's so picky about flying coach, what about all the lives that are sitting there in coach that probably need Jesus? What about all those people that you're probably sitting next to that you're, I know, you're looking down upon? What about those people? You won't... You won't sit in coach. You won't be humble enough to sit in coach and talk to somebody about God if they really needed it. Okay, bro. Okay, I see. I see where you're coming from. Mm. When somebody in there is dragging some woman down an aisle, it made me so mad to see that on television. I wanted to punch the guy out myself. I can't be doing that while I'm getting ready to preach. So you just don't like to be around the sinful people or the, the hurtful people. Is that what you're saying? Not the people, baby. Not the people. My name was Alana. Oh, I was six years old, and I got diagnosed with cancer. Sorry, that was an advertisement. Back during the days, we couldn't do anything else. We had to travel commercial. I've, when I went to Oral Roberts University, I flew for Oral Roberts. I'm a commercial pilot, so I spent a lot of time in airplanes. You have how many planes? We have the Gulfstream, and we still have our Citation team. And then we have a little small airplane, but both those are the two ones that we use, and we use them all the time. And other people use them too. We have other ministries that, that use these. In the book of Ephesians, oh my God, I love this. We wrestle not with people. Yes, we understand that we wrestle not with people, but of principalities and powers. Yes, we understand that. But that shouldn't keep you from flying coach and touching someone's life. I'm sorry. I mean, there are preachers and evangelists and missionaries. God, I love missionaries. I love missionaries. They are probably the most humble people in the world. I love them very much. Anybody who's out there who is a Missionary, I have mad respect for you. Um, but they will fly coach, <laughs> okay? I don't know. To me, it's like all the flash and all of the private jets and all of the mega churches and all of the lavish lifestyle isn't gonna save you, Kenneth. It's not gonna save you from hell, like from hell. Like, that's not going to get you to heaven. Doesn't it say, what would it profit a man to gain the world and lose his soul? What are you doing, Kenneth?
Anyway, we're gonna try to get more stuff. Because that's just one instance of what he's been doing. There's more. Okay, this next one has gone viral, and I love it because it's so funny. Um, it's been it's been viral on TikTok and all of this stuff. It happened, I want to say, around uh, last summer when COVID hit, and um, we're gonna talk about this real quick. We're gonna listen to him first. We'll exercise judgment right now. Because we have... In the name of Jesus! Oh, thank you, Jesus. Standing in the office of the prophet of God. Who are you talking about? Standing in the office of the prophet of God. Who is the prophet of, of God that you're talking about? I execute judgment on you, COVID-19. I execute judgment on you, Satan. You destroyer. You killer. You get out. You break your power. You get off this nation. I demand judgment on you. I demand. I demand. I demand a vaccination to come immediately. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, this man of God has said, I demand, I demand a vaccination to come immediately. But if he knew what was in the vaccination, now honestly, I don't believe that this is his fault. Okay. I, I'm just against vaccinations and shots. I just don't believe that a shot should make you better. I, I just believe that there's other ways in order to make you feel better. But if he knew what was in the vaccination now, I really hope he regrets saying that. I really hope he apologized for saying that. Because I've already talked about what is in the vaccinations for the COVID-19 shot. And uh, I don't feel like repeating myself. Basically, it does have fetal tissue in it. Fetal tissue DNA in it. In order to get us better. And then there are people who are having very extreme symptoms and allergic reactions. Some people have uh, developed Bell's palsy. Some people are getting paralyzed. There's rashes, like strange rashes going down their back. And some of them have developed heart conditions because of this vaccination. And um, now I could definitely say like, oh, he's... He's awful for saying this, of course not, but let me give him the benefit of the doubt for one second, okay? Because common thinking, in order to get rid of a disease, what do we gotta do? Get a vaccination, right? Get a shot, okay? Now, the common part of me will always say, oh, he's just trying to, you know, ease the people's pain and ease the people's fears and all that stuff. Yeah, that's probably true. And yes, he's working on his common sense right now. Like, okay, in order for something to get better, we need a vaccination. That's fine. That's how everybody thinks sometimes. But me, being the conspiracy theorist that I am, and being the person that I know I am that sees farther than the truth that I am told, um, I believe that... Um, 
Kenneth Copeland is more than uh, what he is on television. I believe that he's way more um, than he is perceived to be by other people. Um, so when he says yes a vaccination, I believe that that is predictive programming and in conspiracy, um, I will talk about that at some point um, on my conspiracy segment of my podcasts. But yes, I believe that that was predictive programming on his part because he is on the inside. He's friends with Tyler Perry and Oprah and everybody else in that uh, Illuminati circle, okay? You can believe me or you, you don't have to believe me in that. You can make up your own mind for that. But this is what I believe and this is what I... <laughs> This is how I call bullcrap. So, uh, let's keep going. I call you done! I call you gone, gone! You come down! <laughs> from your place of authority, destroyer! You come down and you crawl on your belly! Like God commanded you when he put his foot on your head in the Garden of Eden. Okay, so one thing that I do want to talk about, okay, Christians, in order to cast things out like demons or diseases or, um, you know, we have to use our discernment with, with that as well. So what he's doing is he's trying to cast out COVID-19. And yes, I believe that COVID-19 is an evil spirit. I believe that it, um, I know that other people won't believe that, that's fine. You can call me crazy, it doesn't really matter. Um, but what he is trying to address is the spirit behind the disease. That um, what he is trying to do, or what he's, he's failed to do, honestly, uh, is trying to address the spirit that is perpetuating that disease. So, um, when you see other preachers do that in a church in real life, um, don't think that they're crazy all the time. It just depends on the person and it just depends on um, your discernment, because uh, discernment meaning you know whether something is good or bad. It, it's um, sort of like a a spiritual sense of things in order to figure out whether or not um, there's something behind a certain action or a certain um, act. So um, I always tell uh, my followers and I always tell people like use your discernment. I can't always tell you what um, is right or wrong but uh, just with like the basic thing that he's doing is what a lot of preachers do and it's not necessarily wrong It's not necessarily wrong to pray away things It is wrong when um, Those things that they do say aren't actually directed by God Because the next few things that he's going to say have been proven wrong Which means that it has not been from God and, um, we're gonna keep, you know, listening. Okay, let's press play again. You will destroy through COVID-19. No more! No more! No more! 
No more. Is finished. Finished. <laughs> it is over. And the United States of America is healed and well again. Saith the mighty. Hallelujah. Glory. Okay, now there was another one. Let me see. He was wearing his gray suit. Let's see. Well, uh. COVID 19! COVID 19! Like Jesse says, it's Africa hot down there, man. What? And it just... Are you listening to me? It's Africa hot. Because it's, it's right there on the coast. It gets muggy. And that's what it takes to kill this thing. Uh, it hates heat. It hates humidity. It hates water. <laughs> it just dies. So, um, I want to say that is kind of true when it comes to the COVID-19. I know in some certain, like, places it is less in certain states that are really hot, but it's not a proven thing, not a proven fact, because there were other people in Florida and um, in certain, like, southern states that were still getting COVID-19. So, um, but yes, uh, in order for a disease to die, you do, you do need, like, very high temperatures but the thing is is that COVID-19 is a man-made disease um yeah Fauci even said it or he didn't actually have to say it he, he got proved wrong um but yes it was it was man-made and for whatever reason okay we'll probably talk about that at some point but I want to be able to keep it as straight as possible with this um like I said, him praying uh, over COVID-19, it's not a bad thing. It's the fact that he calls for a supernatural heat wave. And um, in Texas at that time, like after he prayed, about a week after, there was no heat wave. I hollered at the top of my voice, in the name of Jesus, you get back up there where you belong. Way up it went. I'm yeah. Yeah. I messed us up. Man. Wait, what? You just said I messed this up. Alright. I don't know why I can't find the full thing. But he does say, I call for a supernatural heat wave. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's Kenneth Copeland. Um, one more. And if I haven't won you over with all this stuff that he's said, alright? This one may, or may not, it don't really matter. <laughs> Kenneth Copeland Communion Blood. Okay, now before... I talk about this. Let me give you some context. Now, um, where was he when he did this? He was at some sort of like mega conference and um, he had this whole revelation that um, putting blood in the communion cup was like the true communion that you're supposed to be doing, like a blood 
like a literal blood covenant. Now, um, no, that's not what happened. And two, no, just no, bro, you don't do that. Um, now what he's about to do is, uh, is actually him acting out the whole, um, the whole act of, like, what you're supposed to do for the true communion, but, um, he's not actually cutting himself, he's not actually cutting his hand, he's just pretending to, and <laughs> I don't know why he grunts act acting like it's freaking painful. He's pretending to cut himself with a popsicle stick, but the whole act and the whole demonstration is very demonic because we're not supposed to consume each other's blood. That's what witches and warlocks do. That's what people who practice witchcraft, like big, deep-rooted witchcraft, do. Alright, that's the height of witchcraft. And, uh, Kenneth, I don't- I- I don't know who, uh... I don't- I don't know what you're taking, bro, but- I don't know, bro, but you need to, uh, um... Need to stop. But here we go. Let me stop Hey, it's me, your skin. I crave being done with acne, but treating leaves me red, flaky- I hate ads. You know, I get emails all the time. That, uh, doesn't- I'm at a loss. Let me just credit this guy real quick. His name is Spencer Smith. Um, he talks a lot about Kenneth Copeland and um, a lot of fake televangelists. He's really good. Give him give him some uh, love if you really want to learn more about this stuff. But um, yeah, let's just kind of skip over. I kind of want to. Um... Hey everybody! Hope you're doing well. Today we're going to see Kenneth Copeland. I'm trying not to be copyrighted, so let me see if I can find the real original video. Okay, so, basically the demonstration starts with a bag of salt, and, um, into, like, salt shakers and they pour both salt shakers into the bag and then they shake it up and they're like okay well you don't know which is which right like you can't tell what salt came from what shaker okay but then it gets really strange and uh, we're gonna try and go into that right now let's see now So, this is your cup. Yes, sir. This is my cup. So. So what they have right now is three cups. They're going to be pouring grape juice in two cups. In his friend's cup and in his cup. Right? And then we're going to keep going. And now he's cutting his hand, or pretending to. That's the cutting. 
of the covenant. Now, is it just me, or is that not a bit freaky? Even includes the drama of the moaning effects. So, um, yeah, let me first shout out this person who did this research because it's not mine. I tried to find the original video. Uh, his YouTube name is Revealing Truth. So, there you go. Shout out to him. But, um, yeah. Basically, what they are doing is that they poured the grape juice or the um, demonstrated wine into their own cups. And now they're supposed to be cutting their hands and squeezing the blood into the cup. And his friend is supposed to be doing this. And then at some point, um, they will both pour their wine or their wine blood into one cup and yeah we'll just keep going <sighs> now his friend attempts to cut his hand Jesus said take this cup this is my blood of the new covenant Yes, Jesus did say that, but he didn't cut his hand and drip blood into the wine. Now they're pouring in their we mixed blood, our blood together. That's right. Which is his and which is mine. Now our blood has symbolically has been mixed here. Now at the communion table. Yes, sir. He said, this is my blood of the new covenant. All of you drink all of it. Judas had to drink that. Sir. Why did, so, he, uh, why did he have to uh, mention Judas, the man who betrayed Jesus, of all people? Uh, Judas drank that. Um, you know, no. But symbolically, what they are doing is that they're basically doing a Satanist blood covenant. This is what they do. This is what happens. And, um, this is what happens. This is just how... You can't tell me that Jesus cut his hand and put it in the wine. Because, no, that's not how it is. God does not want us to drink his bodily fluids. That's what Satanists do. That's what witches do. That's what warlocks do. That's what people who are really in the deep-rooted witchcraft do. That's not what Christians do. That is not what Jesus did, and that is not what God has called you to do, Kenneth. And I want you to be this way every time you take communion, and you ought to take it a lot. A lot. And there he goes, drinking it. Now, can you imagine? Can you imagine just, like, doing this at church? And you're just, like, everybody's squeezing their hand into this wine. Just squeezing their blood in their wine, and then y'all have to drink it. Does this not sound like, uh, what is it called? A cult? Because, God help me. <laughs> Can you imagine the diseases that you would get if you drank someone else's blood? Can you imagine the diseases that you would get? 
Not to mention that around this time, COVID was still going on and you're telling people to cut their hand, put it in the wine and drink each other's blood. What if somebody actually had COVID or what if somebody had a um, disease, an incurable disease that could be passed on by blood? You're responsible for that, Kenneth. You're responsible for all the people who have been easily manipulated into doing this and have gotten sick or died from it. This is not what God has called you to say. Now his blood is in my body. Yes, sir. It's in there. His blood is mixed with my blood. Can you see it? <laughs> We've been, Western people don't know anything about covenant. Eastern people do. Neither do you. So you don't know anything about covenant. That's not how that works. Oh my God. Okay. Um, in conclusion, Kenneth Copeland's a crackhead. Here comes the ad. Now, the one thing that I want to say is that um, on TikTok and on certain internet sites, I have seen something called the Progressive Christianity Movement, and uh, I don't like it. I don't. Um, it does a lot of damage to real Christianity, and what in the world just happened? Did you hear that? It sounded like thunder. Okay, anyway. Progressive Christianity says that I'm a god. And that God was gay, or that Jesus was gay because he hung out with 12 disciples. Um, no, that's not what my Bible says. I don't believe that Jesus would condemn, or that God would condemn an act and then be it at the same time. That's just not what I believe. Um, you all know my stance on certain issues such as gay marriage and abortion and all of that stuff, but I don't hate anybody who is gay or anything like that. Just know that. I just want to get that out of the way. But when it comes to doctrine and when it comes to um, knowing what a Christian really is, that's not what we do. We don't believe in any of that. So. But progressive Christianity says, well, it's okay. That's okay. You know, and we're gods. We, we can be whatever we want to be. And God still loves us. And no, 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 no. I'm sorry, no. The one thing that I have a very big problem with is that when they say that they are gods, does that mean that Jesus died, that Jesus died on the cross for absolutely nothing? That's the problem that I have. Forget about gay marriage and abortion and all that other stuff that they believe. Trust me, those are issues, but this is the main issue that I have. 
Because when it comes to blasphemy, bye, I don't like that. And um, progressive Christianity says, oh yes, we're gods because God made us, we must be gods too. No, we're not. Because when um, God made Adam, he made Adam out of the soil. And um, in certain translations, it's almost like God made him out of red clay. Like, he molded Adam, and he molded him into a man. God does not call us a god. He calls us man. We came from man, okay? We came from Adam. And uh, so, yes, <laughs> we are human beings. And like I said before, I don't understand how people can like puff up their ego to the point where they think that they are a god when being a human being is just as powerful because even Jesus said we cast out demons we walk on water if we have enough faith and all this other stuff we can perform miracles if we trust in God but all of these televangelist preachers like Creflo Dollar which I'm going to be talking about um, says, no, we are gods, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, no, no. It, it bothers me that there are people out there that are saying, I'm a god, when you're not. Because didn't Jesus die on the cross for the sins of all mankind? So if we were gods... Wouldn't we be able to absolve ourselves of our own sins without any help from Jesus dying on the cross? Then what was the point of Jesus dying on the cross if you're a god and you can do anything? Can you un Do you understand where I'm coming from? So to me that very much, like that angers me a lot because when people say that, that's what I see. That's what I understand. Okay, so you saying that you're a god means that you can forgive everybody else of your sins, of their sins, including yours. So, are you able to have the um god help me. <laughs> are you able to have the selflessness that God did and send your own son to die on a cross as the savior of the world? I don't think so. Abraham couldn't have even done it. And you know what? Jesus was willing to do it because he was a deity. Or I wouldn't say a deity. I don't even like saying that. But he was part of God. He was part of God. And he knew that if he did not die, the sin of man would be so rampant and they would destroy the earth. That's just how it is. That's how it was and that's how it is now. So when you say you're a god, I th I'm thinking you think that you're as equal to God in heaven. And God's not gonna have that. I mean, S Lucifer even said something like that. And he got cast down to earth, to Rome, until his judgment. So, yeah, no. No. And then there's a whole other branch of progressive Christianity that says doing witchcraft is part of Christianity. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up.
Okay, let's go to Creflo Dollar right now. <clears throat> the one thing that I have to say is that Creflo Dollar, um, Paula White, uh, Joel Osteen, Kenneth Copeland, Benny Hinn, and Jesse Duplantis are all part of a movement called the Prosperity Gospel, meaning that, you know, if you have enough faith and give enough to a church, that God will bless you with whatever you want. But the thing is, is that, yes, that's what we believe. We believe that if you give 10% to a church and tithe, that, you know, God will bless you. Uh, yeah, that's basic. That's a basic belief in Christianity. But when it comes to the prosperity gospel, they want you to give as much as you can in order for them to benefit from your giving. And then they spend it on airports, jet planes, private jets, um, lavish vacations, Rolexes, and all this other stuff. And then you are left without an apartment because you couldn't pay rent. That's the problem, is that these preachers are siphoning out money from these people. All right? And it... I, I don't know how long this podcast is going to be because I'm going to go down the line of every preacher because I want to get it out and I want to get it done because I'm tired of it. But that's what they want to do. They want to siphon money out of easily manipulated people, easily impressioned people, and not give anything back. They'll just be like, oh, look what your offering bought. Look what God did. You know, he gave me a jet plane to fly around the world without even stopping so I can go to all these crusades, get more money, and then sit on my dang porch with a freaking hot tub and a $500 grill and all this other stuff. I'm just sorry. I'm sorry. That is not what a preacher is to me. That is not what a pastor is to me. I just don't like that. I don't like that. And maybe that's just me. If I'm wrong, then God will correct me, all right? But that's not how a pastor should live. Those big houses that you have, those vacation homes, those five different jets, that huge, huge freaking mega church that you have, all that money that you put into those things, those material things. You could have downsized your house. You could have downsized the size of your church and still run a televangelist television show in order to reach people, okay? You can live humbly and still give back to God and other people who need it. To the, oh my God. I'm just, when it comes to prosperity gospel, you, they get so rich off of these people to the point where it just becomes ridiculous. They become ridiculously rich and it's not needed. I don't like this. I just, I don't approve. Okay, now just listen to what these men are doing because... I had to re-record this. If I'm repeating myself, I'm sorry. But, um, 
what's happening right now is uh, in this video that I'm about to play, I have to describe it to you, is uh, Creflo Dollar and I think Pastor Leroy, I think his name is, um, they asked for money, like for offering and all of that stuff, and um, not sure why uh, they're asking, but I'm pretty sure it's for a private jet or something like that, you know? But, um, I just want you to listen to how nuts they sound when they are placed, when the congregation just throws money onto the steps, like, leading to the stage where the pastor preaches. Just, just listen to this. So that is, um, that is Creflo Dollar and Pastor Leroy. Um, I will, uh, reference this because this comes from Ref Wretched TV. Um, the person that uh, made this video is Todd Friel, and Todd Friel is amazing. He's, um, made it his mission to kind of, like, uh, break down the Bible and answer your questions on his show and um, also expose pastors and preachers of, you know, the prosperity gospel and, and why it's wrong. So uh, I'm going to keep playing this video because I want you to hear what he has to say. You want your bills paid? Throw money at their feet so they can dance in it. What do you know? It's a prosperity gospel with a string attached. That string is works, and that means... It's no gospel at all. Uh. So what Creflo Dollar believes is that if you pray as if you have received whatever you wanted already, that God has no choice but to grant that. Now, the problem with that is that, oh, okay, I'm sorry, God has no choice whether or not to bless you? I mean, of course he does. What, what's the condition of your heart, my friend? Are you praying with selfish motives, or are you praying with selfless motives? Like, a selfless motive would be, oh God, help, you know, me be able to pay rent. Help me work real hard to pay rent. Help me get enough money so I can get enough food and just be able to stay, just be stabilized and just live a stable life right now. Because I don't know how I'm going to be able to do it. We need a miracle right now. I need a miracle right now. That is an example of praying, you know, selflessly. Okay. Yes. 
you can have faith and speak those good things in your life. Like, I'm gonna get enough money for rent. I have enough money for rent. That's speaking good things. That's speaking life into your life. That's speaking life into your lifestyle. Or not lifestyle, but like the, the way you live. That is good. That is very good. But when it comes to someone who is a spoiled brat, okay, God knows the difference. Like, hey, I'm gonna get that hoverboard so I can show all my friends that I'm better than them. You know, I speak life into that and all of that. God's gonna bless me with that. No. Why, why would God bless you with something like that when one, it's not needed, and two, you're only doing it to show off to other people? That's the problem. And a lot of prosperity gospel preachers will do that <laughs> they will basically oh say that you should pray as if you already have it yes that's what we believe in but look at what you're doing in order to get what you need to get in order you are asking everyone to sow in three hundred dollars that's what that's what I believe God is telling me that you should sow a seed of three hundred dollars into this ministry because we reach people in India and Iraq and all of this stuff. We're about to go into Jerusalem and make a dedication and we can't do that without your $300. If the church can't do it without the money... Okay, let me... I'm kind of upset now. <laughs> the church... If the church cannot... Uh, do what they can with the offering that is given. Like, making a dedication in Jerusalem, right? Okay. And they can't make enough money in order to go there, then I guess you're not supposed to be there. Because you shouldn't be pressuring your congregation into sowing $300 because not everybody will do that. Because everybody will be able to give what they can. That's how they should, okay? They should be able to give what they can or what they are led to give. So what if they can't sow $300 into your freaking ministry? What if they don't have that? I know a lot of people that don't have that right now. Why? So, it's better to sow into your ministry in order to have food on your plate, but not enough to have food on mine. But there are people out there, especially, I want to say, the elderly, because the elderly are very, um impressionable and please I'm not trying to to stereotype any elderly or anybody like that trust me but people who are elders people who are much older they grew up with Kenneth Copeland they they grew up listening to Kenneth Copeland and and um Benny Hinn Benny Hinn has been around for years and so is Jesse Duplantis and then now the Creflo Dollar's an older man, and they, they reach an age demographic where 
the old religious um, spirit is still around in that age demographic and they believe like, oh yes, I'm going to keep giving and giving and giving and giving and giving until there's nothing left. And I believe that, I don't want to say this without offending, I don't want to say this uh, <laughs> to offend anyone who's elderly, but they are sometimes, depending on the elderly person, they will be easily impressioned to where, okay, I'm, I'm going to give that $300. I don't know, I mean, I'll just write you a check. Um, you know, my, my grandson's inheritance will have to suffer, but this is for the greater good, right? It's not okay to me. It's not okay. Because they're taking advantage of elderly people. They're also taking advantage of people who are disabled, physically disabled, mentally disabled, and I will talk about that later on with Benny Hinn, and a whole lot of other things. They're taking advantage in order just to, to live a lavish lifestyle. And yes, I don't approve of that. I don't. There's a scripture in James that I want to talk about. And um, give me a second and I will get it. James 4.2 says, and this is what a lot of prosperity preachers use in order to kind of justify what they're doing. It says, You lust and you have not, you kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you cannot, or yet you have not, because you not ask. Because you ask not. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't read the Bible in the King James Version. Basically, it's saying we will go to great lengths in order to get what we want. Yes, and it says as far as killing somebody or lusting after another person or going to war for what we want. But God says, you have to ask me. Ask and you shall receive. Please ask me. God wants us to ask for what we want, for what we need. You know, that's the whole main idea of this scripture, okay? And yes, that's, that's what a lot of prosperity preachers want to emphasize is you have to ask God for what you want, and therefore you will get what you want. God has no choice but to give you what you want. But the thing is, is that the next verse, it says, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss, and yet you may consume it upon your lusts. In other words, you ask and you receive not because you have lustful or terrible pleasures. Your heart is not aligned with God in order to be given these things. God will only grant what you uh, want and what you need uh, considering the condition of your heart. Are you selfish? Are you asking in revenge or vengeance? Are you asking to marry this other man's wife because you believe that God 
you know, told you to. No, God would never mess up a holy marriage. Um, that's what he's saying. Like, what are your motives in asking me this? What are your motives in asking me this? Like, why are you asking me for more money? Are you going to give to me? Are you going to give thanks to me? Are you going to be spending it on things that you cannot necessarily have at this moment? God is not a God. He's not a drive-through God. He's not going to give you a burger and fries in order for you to get... Oh my God. I'm just basically saying that God is not a drive-through God. He's not obligated to give you things that you want or need if you have a bad condition of your heart. That's what I'm saying. God's not going to give you something in a little doggy bag and be like, Okay, spend wisely. Make sure that, uh, you know, hey... Oh, wait, wait, where are you going? No, that God, God's not going to do that. God is not a God of gifting everything. It also says in the Bible that what would it profit a man to gain the world and lose his soul? People like Creflo Dollar, Benny Hinn, Jesse Duplantis, Paula White, and Kenneth Copeland, they're all lovers of money. And that's what I don't like. When they're able to be so charismatic and so charming to the point where they're siphoning money out of good people that are also trying to make it themselves. And they're using the Bible verses in order to justify what they are about and why they do the things that they do. And it's wrong. It's wrong. Okay. Then there's this little gods thing. Okay. And we're gonna listen to that real quick. And the person that I get this from, because I'm gonna be doing a lot of recordings, I might as well just cite my sources now, comes from Polite Leader on YouTube. He really knows his stuff. This is where I'm getting all the information on Front Row Dollar right now. So, we're going to um, listen to what comes out of Creflo Dollar's mouth about being a little god. So, we're gonna look at that right now. Okay, here we go. Traditionally, like Benny Hinn and other infamous prosperity leaders, Mr. Dollar has taught the false little gods heresy. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Now that's interesting because if everything produces after its own kind, we now see God producing man. And if God now produces man, and everything produces after its own kind, if horses get together, they produce what? And if dogs get together, they produce what? If cats get together, they produce what? together and say let us make man 
producer. They're producing gods. Now, I got to hit this thing real hard in the very beginning because I ain't got time to go through all this. But I'm going to say to you right now, you are gods, little g. You are gods because you came from God and you are gods. You're not just human. The only human part about you is this physical body that you live in. The real me is just like God. A couple of things. Firstly, image of God or Imago Dei means the exact opposite of what Mr. Dollar is asserting here. Imago Dei means that man is not God. Man reflects God and therefore is not God. We are creatures that are dependent and finite. God, on the other hand, is self-existent and infinite. Secondly, the Imago Dei distinguishes us from the animals. We are subordinate to God, but not to the beasts. The Lord has given us dominion over them, but that means we must rule over them wisely and compassionately. Mm -hmm. Well, man is certainly the pinnacle of God's creation. Kreflow's little dog's doctrine is way off the mark and more emblematic of the serpent's lie in Genesis 3-4 than historic Christian anthropology. As far as his conclusion that, quote-unquote, the real me is just like God, blasphemy. Absolute blasphemy. Exactly. In 2007, Dollar, along with Benny Hinn, Kenneth Copeland, Joyce Meyer, Paula White, and Eddie Long, were the subjects of a financial probe by Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley. Creflo's group did not cooperate with the investigation. Additionally, in 2012, Dollar was arrested for allegedly choking and punching his 15-year-old daughter. The charges were eventually dropped, and the prosperity leader was given diversion through anger management courses. Perhaps most jaw-dropping was Mr. Dollar's audacious request in 2014. After his private plane was significantly damaged, Dollar made an outlandish appeal in which he asked his followers to each donate $300 or more so he could acquire a $65 million replacement jet. Creflo ended his campaign after his faux pas garnered massive backlash and criticism from many corners. In summation, Creflo Dollar, like so many word of faithers, is a false teacher who promotes heresy and error. We should, of course, all pray for Mr. Dollar and his deceived followers and hope that the Spirit of God will work in their hearts and enable them to embrace the true gospel of Jesus Christ over the false prosperity one. Ladies and gents, if you have your own thoughts, be sure to leave them in the comments. So, he, could, he explained that a whole lot better than I ever could. Yes, we have dominion over animals, okay? We have dominion over animals where God gave us the power to rule over animals and rule over them wisely with love and kindness. Yes. And... Yes, I understand that we also use animals as resources, that's another topic. But, the one thing that I want to say is that, yes, horses produce horses, cats produce cats, and dogs produce dogs. Yes, I understand that. We all understand that. The problem is, is that God is not like animals. God is not like a horse, where if he gets together with another horse, He'll produce a horse. God's not a horse. God is not like a cat where he'll produce another cat with another cat or a dog with another dog. God is not going to be restricted in the confines of the human mind. That's why sometimes God is very hard to understand because his ways are not our ways and that is okay. When God creates something, it is divinely beautiful. It is incredibly perfect, and it is wonderful. When God creates something, 
as good as a human being, it is supposed to be a holy vessel. When God creates something, like I said, he creates in a divine nature where we have purpose, okay? Think about it. The only purpose a horse has is to transport us and give us certain resources. The only thing that a cat, the only purpose that a cat has is to give us emotional healing sometimes, emotional um, companionship, same thing with dogs, okay? They have a purpose on earth, yes. But there is no animal compared to a human being that has a divine purpose to be anything. A human being can sit up on a pulpit and preach the word of gospel, the, the word of God, okay? A horse can't do that. A cat or a dog can't do that. They cannot preach the word of God. But man can. Alright? It does not mean that we are gods. It means that we have the purpose of God. We have a purpose from God in order to carry out in our lives. Every single one of us. God did not create a god. God is only one God, God just is, and he doesn't really need anybody else's help. Alright? But he chooses man in order to say, spread the gospel. Spread the gospel, spread the love of me. Spread my love to other people who need it. Because not everybody is going to live in a Christian home in a true Christian home, I should say, that says, love everybody despite their sin. Love everyone despite their actions. Love everyone, including gay people, including people who are liberals and social justice warriors. God says, love other people. When it comes to animals, they only have a certain they only have certain room when it comes to a purpose in their life but when humans have a purpose they can go incredibly far and that's what i'm trying to say is that humans have a purpose they don't have to have a purpose to be a god god is already god god already sees all is all and will be all he is and sees and does all. We only need one God. We only need one God. We are not little G. We are not little gods. We don't need to be. We're already fearfully and wonderfully made in an intricate and divine manner. We are our own breed. Human beings are a new breed of people. I don't understand how some Christians, now forget about the prosperity gospel for a second, I want to give you a, an idea in your head. There's so many people out there that are trying to be perfect for God, that are trying to be 
perfect for the church, perfect for their family, because they live in a religious home saying, oh, you should be perfect for God, because if you're not, God will hate you and you will go to hell. No, 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 no. I'm sorry, no. I don't believe that. I've been told that in my life, in my whole life at times. My family used to say, we strive to be perfect because we're supposed to be like God. I get that. But who said that perfection is what God is? Maybe God is above perfection. The idea of who God is to us can only be def defined as perfect. But what does God say that he is to you? Perfect could mean totally something totally different to God than to you. And that's what I love about God, is that he is not confined to the constructs of time and of um, our human mind. He sees everything, he knows everything, and is everything. So therefore, when we say that we are human beings, we have a divine purpose in our lives. Can you imagine that every single human being on the face of this planet has a divine battle plan written upon their heart by God? That one thing that makes you light up, that one passion that you have in order to save people's lives like a firefighter does, or to fight injustice like a lawyer does or should, you know? Or when you see a canvas, a blank canvas, and you see something else and you want to paint right away. That passion that you get when you love something so much, it just drives you to gain momentum and go farther and farther and farther and farther. No other creature on earth has that desire to become better and better. Can you imagine that God put that passion in your heart in order for you to carry out his plan for your life? I ended up preaching, but I do not care. The fact that prosperity preachers believe that we are gods is incredibly ridiculous to me because they forget how important a human being is. There are missionaries out there spreading the gospel farther than any other prosperity preacher will ever reach because they're on their feet, walking door to door, talking about the good news of Jesus Christ. No other prosperity gospel preacher like Creflo Dollar or Paula White or Kenneth Copeland will ever be able to reach that sort of mentality to where they will be humble enough to give everything up in order to reach the gospel in the most remote places. I will listen to a missionary in a heartbeat than a pastor on a pulpit. Please understand that being a human being is incredibly amazing. And yes, 
there are things, there are spirits that pervert what the meaning of a human being really is. In this society, we are taught to be powerless. We are taught to be confined to the government and what the law says that we are. We're confined by society of being black, white, Hispanic, Asian, all of these labels. But do you understand that God calls you by name? He don't look at the color of your skin or what you've learned or the things that are in between your ears, your brain. He don't care about the state of your mind. He only cares about the condition of your heart. He don't care what label that you've decided to label yourself as, what aesthetic you decided to, you know, live by, or what lifestyle. He sees you and calls you by name. So why on earth would we want to be a God when God is already amazing? I am so tired. A prosperity preacher saying that we are gods. We're gods too. No, we're not. Do you understand how amazing a human can be? We are capable of so much. We are capable of so many good things. And yes, we are capable of so many bad things as well. Just like Jesus anoints, just like as God anoints a human being, Satan perverts a human being. That's why we have pedophiles, murderers, and, and people who are so violent. Do you understand that that's not what a human should be? God gave us power. He gave us so much power. And we use it in so many selfish ways. God gave us so much power. You have the power to raise the dead. You have the power to perform miracles, help people walk out of their wheelchairs. You have the power to cast out demons of all things. You have the power to walk on water. Why can't you? It says in the Bible that Peter actually met Jesus on the water. Meet your father on the water. What's it going to take for people, especially prosperity preachers, to understand that human beings are powerful in their own way? I'm not even going to say sorry for preaching. Somebody had to hear that. Somebody had to hear that. So I'm not sorry. Like I said, when it comes to the power of people and human beings, it can be taken in a wrong way. It can be used for a terrible, terrible thing. Like I said, such as pedophilia. Murder all of this other stuff that we see that's negative in the world right now. That's all because human beings, that's all because man created that. And yes, I, I used to be one of those people 
that said, I hate people. I hate human beings. Human beings are awful. But yes, they are sometimes. But you also have to realize that we are amazing people. But anyway... It can be taken in a wrong way, being a human being. The power of a human being can be twisted. And that's how we have prosperity gospel preachers that um, decide to manipulate people out of their money. And that's something that I don't believe in. But we're going to keep going. We're going to start talking about Benny Hinn. Now, when it comes to Benny Hinn... He used to be very close to my heart. Uh, he was one of those preachers that I used to get up in the morning before I go to school and watch. Because he was on so early in the morning. I would watch him and, you know, I just loved him. I, I loved him so much. I did. Uh, I just loved how he spoke. I loved what he spoke about and all of this other stuff. But unfortunately... He's also one of those people that is part of the prosperity gospel. And um, I'm going to do my best to find the um, videos so that you can listen to them about why I don't listen to this man anymore. But if I can't, I will tell you what I know. Benny Hinn is very famous for making crusades and organizing these huge crusades, like huge, um, I don't know how to explain it. He will call people up and he will throw his jacket on somebody because his jacket's full of the Holy Spirit and they'll fall out in the spirit and all of that. Um, sometimes he won't even have to touch them. They'll just fall in, in the, in the, you know, spirit of God and, and all of that. Sometimes he'll just blow on them, which is um, honestly a prophetic thing. That's something that um, people I know do. And the thing is, is that that can also be taken in a very wrong way, too, which I believe that Benny Hinn has done. Because it's just wrong. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I'm just so frustrated right now. But it has been proven that um, these crusades have been organized in order to make him look good. Even his own, what, I think nephew, I think, has even called him out and said, this guy is not legit. He's not legit. Um, there have been countless stories of where um, people who have been physically disabled wanted to come up to the front in order to be prayed over, and um, his volunteers or workers would block certain people from coming up because all of the people that he was praying for were picked in order to show off basically so none of those people who actually really needed prayer were able to come up and get prayed over because he had hired actors in order to act a certain way for you know being healed and everything. So we're gonna... We're gonna go into that. Benny Hinn is very, um... Famous for these crusades, yes. But he's also got his own TV show, or his own televangelism slot, where he asks, um, his 
viewers to sow a thousand dollars into his ministry or three hundred dollars or what have you and um, I don't believe in um, I don't know man it's just so much there's just so much that I could pick apart and if I say something wrong it'll be like the dot like the the Bible is incorrect but it I don't want it to make it sound like that because of course the Bible is correct but the thing is is that when you sow you should be able to sow what God leads you to sow not a thousand dollars I feel like putting an amount on how much you're supposed to sow into a ministry is wrong because a pastor or a preacher or a televangelist should be able to say sow what God has told you to sow if God has told you to sow into my ministry but they don't want that because then they won't have a television television slot <laughs> they won't have a televangelism slot in order to ask you for more money so yeah that's why they say that stuff is because they've got bills they gotta pay and they don't care about yours being paid so fun we're gonna listen to uh, Benny Hinn real quick. I don't believe anymore. And I will tell you now something that is, is gonna shock you. I think it's an offense to the Lord. It's an offense to say, give a thousand dollars. Right now, right now, so a one thousand dollar sacrifice, not a seed. <laughs> there was a difference between a seed and a sacrifice. And when I- Okay, before I even talk, um, this man that's talking right now about like sewing a thousand dollars He I want to be able to find this story that he told this grand story in order to get people to sew Okay, this man um, Is actually I want to say he is uh, being trained under Benny Hinn um, some people some ministers, and uh, which is something that I believe is great, um, is that some ministers and pastors of certain churches will have people that will be trained underneath them in order to kind of raise them up in their calling of Christ as well. So um, that if the pastor has to take a vacation or take a break or anything like that, they'll still be able to kind of take on the ministry on their shoulders for a little bit and be trusted enough in order to you know preach the gospel and all of that other stuff so um, I, I believe in pastors training up and raising up and fathering up um, other people under them but I don't believe in raising them up to be scam artists so I sowed that sacrificial seed. It was $1,000. That's why I always talk about it. It's an offense to say, give $1,000. And when he talks to you, I'm going to have you come down here and sow $1,000 in the Lord's work. Now, I'm telling you something. So basically, right now, Benny Hinn is being shown as a hypocrite because back in 2019, he says it's an offense to sow $1,000 or to ask to sow $1,000. But then in 2020... Him and uh, his um, co-pastor, I want to say, or somebody that the guy that's been training under him, have been saying, "So a thousand dollars—that's 
the best thing to do in this ministry. Just just sow a thousand dollars. Ain't nobody got a thousand dollars to give to you. If they do, they're probably broke now. God already has placed the thousand dollars in your hand. You have it someplace. It's an offense to say give a thousand dollars. I know you have other plans for it, but God has just changed your plans. As if you put it in the Lord's work, he will so abundantly bless you. Okay, that's one thing that I wanted to talk about. I want to be able to get to um, Benny Hinn. Um, fake healing. Because there are testimonies of people in his congregation or that were part of his crusades that were not allowed to come up to the stage. And I want to be able to talk about that. So, um, let me see here. Uh, first, we're going to listen to Benny Hinn's nephew um, real quick because he's got a lot to say about his uncle. So, here we go. Release an anointing! The greatest threats to Christians, conservative Christians, is not the liberals. The greatest threat is from within. It's those who appear like they are sheep, but they're wolves. He takes advantage of people who are vulnerable. I think it's offense to the Holy Spirit. Place a price on the gospel. The problem is, it's just like the Ponzi scheme. The only guy getting rich is the guy at the top. I'm done with it. Let me get... It's the first time a Hen ministry insider has so publicly spoken out. You know what the track record shows? That men like my uncle, they are devouring people. Costa Hen blames that on what's known as the prosperity gospel. The theology it's estimated has earned his uncle as much as a hundred million dollars a year. Yeah, so the way that the prosperity gospel works is that if you believe in Jesus and you follow Jesus, that he is going to make you happy, healthy, and wealthy. The problem is, it's just like a Ponzi scheme. The only guy getting rich is the guy at the top. But after four decades of preaching prosperity, a few months ago, incredibly, this. And I will tell you now something that is, is going to shock you. I think it's an offense to the Lord. It's an offense to say, give a thousand dollars. Sure. I mean, it is. I think it's offense to the Holy Spirit to place a price on the gospel. But you always do. I'm done with it. Now, Benny Hinn's statement about not asking for pay to pray is under intense scrutiny by fellow evangelical Christians, many of them very critical. All those years, the hundreds of millions you got, you owe the body of Christ. A reaper. You owe them to give them all their money back. Whatever 
Benyon says he's done with now. It seems nothing much has changed. He insists he continues to raise money only by promising what the Bible does, that those who give to God's work will be rewarded. But Costian says the millions who still support his uncle financially deserve to know what's happened behind the scenes so they can judge the prosperity gospel debate for themselves. When Jesus comes into your life, God becomes your father. It might seem a great Canadian success story. The kid raised in Toronto, who's become one of the most recognizable religious figures of his time. With the so-called miracles and displays of divine power that go with it. Costi Hinn saw it all on stage, right next to his uncle. You've seen some of those on TV, you know, he goes, fire on you, and people just go spinning and flying through the air. And the job was simple, look good in a suit and don't drop them. So we had to look good in a suit and not drop them. So I was a catcher as well. Tonight, you've wondered, is this man for real? And Costi Hen says he got an inside view of ministry business. He admits taking a share of the nightly crusade collection, which could total hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash. And I remember it weighing on my conscience, and I'm you know, no less a sinner than anyone else. Believe me, I, I'm not at all. If you could have a miracle, what would you want it to be? Here we go, here we go, here we go. Thank you. Just walk. Is that what you want, Grace? Just to walk? Just to walk. Born with curvature of the joints, Grace Berlot to Fernie, B.C. was just eight years old when we met her at a crusade in Calgary, hoping to be healed by the man known as Pastor Benny. It was something that I focused on for like 18 years of my life. And, focused um, on it in what way? Just the, the healing and you kind of think, oh, it's going to happen today, it'll happen this time, and then it's going to be, your life's going to change. In Calgary, Grace's mother Janice carried her to the stage, but before long, they were stopped by the screeners who keep the truly sick and disabled away from Benny Ann. Emotionally was a little damaging for me, um, so to go back and, and even just think about it is difficult for me. When you want something so bad, when you want to be made well because you don't want to be in pain anymore, you kind of ignore all of the all of the signs that maybe this isn't right and that becomes what you fixate on we caught up with them that day as they fled the arena hope of a miracle even a prayer from pastor benny god so when when he promises and that's what he does do he promises that today's the day for your healing for your miracle and it doesn't happen you blame yourself yes first and foremost yes and I think he he takes advantage of people who are um, who are vulnerable. Pastor, she had epilepsy. Go see Jesus name. For Costi Hin, it's the price of promising prosperity, whether in money or miracles. I saw the testimony of healing, and I saw the stories about healing. But I never once saw a real healing. I never once saw my uncle or anyone else for that matter go and lay hands on someone and say, in Jesus' name, rise and walk. And they would walk right away, just like you see in the Bible. After the break, the first time we investigated Benny Hinn and went undercover to do it. 
Matthews. And we're Bob McEwen. We met at uh, Crusade in Buffalo. So you guys are agents of the devil sent to thwart and bring down and tear down our anointed ministry. You're evil, we're good. Wow. So that was the testimony of a woman that um, she's still in a weird wheelchair. She still can't walk. And yeah, she wanted to come to the crusade and be healed, but she didn't. And that's the problem. That's one of the main problems is that for one, he only picks and chooses who he decides to heal, quote unquote. And, um, that's not how the Holy Spirit works. That's not how faith works. That's not how the Holy Spirit works. Now, when it comes to a, a natural setting that's not in a televangelist crusade, okay, this is where they get it from. This is what televangelists get it from and then put it up into volumes, making it completely maximized to the point where they feel like they're incredibly much better than any other preacher on the side of the road that is also trying to heal people. This is where they get it from. They get it from those humble preachers, those humble pastors, and those humble evangelists like uh, Smith Wigglesworth. Um, I want to say... Uh, I don't only know him? Oh lord. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I only know Smith Wigglesworth which is someone that I love very much. <laughs> um, he's a really um, amazing, I want to say prophet. Um, I don't know whether he was a preacher or not, but you can't find any of his um, uh, like messages on recording um, because he, I don't... It, it was just something that he didn't do. He, he knew that... Um, you know, what he did was for God, and I mean, there are people who read the messages, but it's not in his voice, you know, but this man raised the dead. I'm telling you, this man raised the dead. There are records of him raising a man out of his casket. He just basically grabbed this man out of the casket, beat him up against the wall, wake up! Wake up! Wake up! This man had enough faith in order to raise the dead. This man actually rose from the dead. Smith Wigglesworth was attacked spiritually a lot. There were times when he has said that even Satan himself has actually come into his bedroom and terrorized him. Or even come into his house trying to ransack everything. He comes down the stairs and goes, oh, it's just you. Do you realize how much I want to be like that? <laughs> just to be like, oh, it's just you. Good night. <laughs> that is the type of power that I'm saying that human beings have. When you, when, oh my God, when Satan himself tries to make a mess of your home because he's so upset at how many people have actually gotten saved by your message that God has given you, and you just look and is like, oh, okay, it's just you, okay, well, good night. 
Like, okay, bro. Okay. <laughs> um, but that that's where they get it from. Televangelists say, I can be just like Smith Wigglesworth without actually having enough faith. I can make it look good. That's the thing. It's Everything is about how it should look when it comes to televangelism. And that's wrong. Because there are other people, true people in your crusade, Benny Hinn, that need that healing that you have robbed them of because for one, you don't have enough faith and you only care about your wallet and how big it is and you only care about how your healing and your miracles look. And that is wrong. One of the last people that I'm going to be talking about is Jesse Duplantis. And this one is probably the most heartbreaking one because my father used to listen to this man a lot. His voice could be heard throughout the house almost every day. My family and I used to sit down and listen to him because he had a different approach to the gospel. He was very funny, and he was able to uh, get people engaged with his charisma and his charm. And um, I don't want to say that Jesse Duplantis didn't start out good. I'm pretty sure all of the televangelists that I have talked about did start out with a good heart or did start out with a good intention to just heal people and spread the gospel with a pure heart. But the thing is, like I said, just like God anoints someone, God can also pervert a preacher. That's why we see so many preachers now that are in trouble doing drugs, alcohol, abuse, and even pedophilia. We see that all the time. It's because they have not been in the presence of God enough in order to withstand all of that temptation. Um, but when it comes to Jesse Duplantis, I used to love this dude. I used to, when I was a kid, okay, I didn't have a very, very uh, <laughs> interesting childhood. I just, I didn't have a normal childhood. When I came home, I would always hear Jesse Duplantis in the background. Uh, playing because my dad would always watch his VHSs and all of that stuff. Like, we actually went to see him up in Michigan um, a long, 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 long time ago. We actually um, saw him in person, and um, I think we saw him in person twice. And this man was great because he implicated, like, he included comedy in his sermons. So, like, he would have a funny story about his life and then kind of connect it to you know, a verse in the Bible, or um, something like that. And we loved it. It was a very good approach of what the gospel, or how the gospel should be taught, and how the gospel should be talked about. Because, you know, when you think of a preacher, when you think of church, you think of um, dusty pews in a stuffy old congregation, all packed into one, you know, 
sanctuary and listening to a preacher for about an hour who, you know, can't necessarily talk. You know what I'm trying to say? It's boring sometimes to go to church, unfortunately. No offense to anybody who is trying to make their church amazing and engaging, okay? God bless you, really. But I, I, I have met some pretty boring preachers. Okay? Because when it comes to like what, how I was raised, it was all religion. It was all religious. It was all religious. If you uh, weren't going straight from the Bible and just doing all of that religious stuff and preaching like a old southern gospel preacher would, not saying that that's bad, I'm saying there's a, <laughs> there's a type of preaching that should just be gone away because I feel like some preachers out there have just been so uncharismatic with their sermons to where the congregation doesn't enjoy what they're saying and what they're trying to get across in their message because it's so religious and so tactful and so um how do I say this? It's just boring. I'm pretty sure people who have gone to church have been bored by a preacher. It's just because they don't have that um, extra spunk in their message sometimes in order to engage their audience or their congregation. And I guess it all depends on the person as well in the congregation. like. Are they engaging to that person? You know, there's all types of uh, people and all types of congregations that want to be able to be engaged in order to learn about, you know, the gospel of Christ. Not everybody will learn the same way. So when um, Jesse Duplantis came around, he was completely different. He was getting his congregation to laugh. He was getting them to be engaged. He was very silly. He was, he had that um, charisma or that charm to where he was able to hold the audience's attention and help them understand the Bible and also have a good time by listening to him. And that's something that was completely new at that time. I want to say in like the 2000s or, or, or late, late 1990s when uh, he was starting to come out as a um, preacher. Um, he hails from New Orleans, so um, he has an accent, but he he used his stories from, you know, him growing up in New Orleans and him as a boy and how he came to Christ, and he said it in such a charismatic and such um, funny way to where he was able to engage his congregation, and that's probably one of the main reasons why he is very um, famous now. But the thing is, is that he has gone a very uh, strange way. He's gone down a very different road 
from how I used to know him and how I used to listen to him because he's completely different now. So we're going to get into that. He also does believe in the little gods theory and also some other things that we're going to get into. Okay, you remember uh, at the beginning of this long podcast that I said Kenneth Copeland was talking about being in a long two with a bunch of demons, right? Well, he was talking to Jesse Duplantis about this as well. So we're gonna we're gonna listen to that video real quick. Brother Copeland, I was flying home from a meeting, and I had come out of a glorious meeting. I had just finished, me and Cuffalo Dollar were preaching. Had a glorious meeting. So I was, for lack of a better way to say it, I was spiritually high. I said, people yeah. were saved, touched, and blessed. Got in the plane that God so graciously gave us. We're flying home. As I was going home, the Lord, real quickly, he said, Jesse, do you like your plane? Now, you know, I thought that's an odd statement. He gave, I said, well, certainly, Lord. He said, do you really like it? And I thought, well, yes, Lord. He said, then he said this, so that's it? I didn't know how to handle that for me. I went, what? He said, you're going to let your faith stagnate? And when he said that, that shocked me. I went, whoa, wait. I literally unbuckled my seatbelt, my plane. I stood up. My pilots looked at me and said, do you need something? I said, no, no, I'm talking to God right now. <laughs> he went back to flying. I said, Lord, I don't think I was letting my faith stagnate. He said, so this is all I could ever do. I said, you want, you, you're trying to tell me something. He said, go to the book of Amos. So if you're at the book of Amos, I want to read the scripture. May I interrupt you there yes, for a second? You couldn't have done that on an airliner. No, sir. No way. Oh my Stand God. up and say, what'd you say, Lord? No. Okay, no, yeah. And the guy said, no, sir. What the hell does he think he's doing? <laughs> he can't do that. He can't do that. No, no. This, this is so important. And those of you that are that are just now coming into these things, um, in, in the first place, Jesse and, 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 and I and, and others, Keith Moore and Creflo and all of us, the world is in such a shape. We can't get there without this. That's right. We've got to have this. We would have the mess that the airlines are in today. I would have to stop. I'm being very conservative. At least um, 75 oh, to 80, more like 90% of what we're doing. Because you can't get there from here. It's impossible. So, oh, I'm sorry, Kenneth, I thought it was 65% of what you were doing. Do you have anybody else that you're raising up underneath you in order to keep your ministry afloat while you're gone? We, we ha and, and this was such a good illustration. I just, though it impressed me. That's why we're on that airplane. We can talk to oh, God. Lord we God. can. We, it's, true. We, it, it's when I was flying for Oral Roberts, the uh, brother Deweese, my my boss on the airplane. He said, "Now, Kenneth, this is sanctuary. It protects the anointing on on uh, uh, brother Roberts." And he said, "You keep your mouth shut. Don't talk to him unless he talks, because when he's on a meeting, he doesn't talk to anybody but God." Now, Oral used to fly airlines, right. but it. Even back then, man, it, it got to the place where it was agitating his spirit. Sure. People coming up to him. He right. had become famous, and they wanted him to pray for him and right. all that. You, you, can't, you, you can't manage that today. Right. Uh, this dope fit. Okay, I understand what Kenneth is trying to explain. I understand that some, uh, even prophets, um, sometimes will get somebody to be like, 
they will sometimes be approached by people to be like, hey, can you pray for me? And sometimes these prophets will just say, no, sorry, no. I, I don't I don't want to prophesy over you right now. I don't have anything to prophesy over you right now. At some point, people have to understand that preachers in general, prophets in general, evangelists in general are human. They will need a break. I understand that. I understand that completely. A human can only help a human as far as their limit goes. But when it comes to uh, Kenneth Copeland and Jesse Duplantis, why do y'all got four to five um, private jets in your under your ministry, like part of your ministry? All you need is one. Okay, and this is this is also something that I'm gonna have to back up by what Jesse Duplantis says because in a, in another video. He actually explains, like, why he has four different planes. And, um, it's not a very good explanation, but I also want you to hear what he says about Jesus writing it in a private plane as well. And the next one, but, here we go. The world, right, get in, an air, get in a long tube with a bunch of demons. Right, that's exactly, and it, it's deadly. And, and it works on your heart, it really does. So, I, anyway, I, I wanted to make that clear so the devil can't lie to you and say, See that, them preachers spending all that money, just, just fat cats riding around. No, we're not. We're in business. To do. Listen, I could scratch my flying itch with my little single-engine open cockpit airplane. Right. I just come home, fly around in that, scratch my flying itch. That doesn't have nothing to do with that. But right. we're, in, we're, in, we're in soul business here. Right. We, we got a dying world around us. Just, we got a dying nation around us. That's right. And we can't even get there on the earth. You, can, you can't. Let, let me give you an example before I read the scripture. It, some people say, why do you need an airplane? It started out about a couple of weeks ago. I, I was in Fort Worth. I preached for, on a, a Sunday, a Friday night and a Saturday. I was in Fort Worth preaching with Jerry Savelle. Sunday morning, I was in Boston, Massachusetts. Monday, I was in New Orleans. Tuesday, I was in Chicago. Wednesday, I was in Raleigh, North Carolina. Thursday, I was in New Orleans. Friday, I was in San Antonio, Texas. Saturday, I was in New Orleans. Sunday, I was in another city. I actually have a Delta captain that lives close to my house. I brought him that schedule. I said, can you fly this? He said, no, and I wouldn't. If <laughs> When do you sleep? We're about the on the airplane. On the airplane, so I'll go back and grab it. See, yeah. Now, when God is speaking this to me, He said, "So this is all I could ever do." And I'm thinking, in, in myself, well, yeah. I mean, you know, this is a phenomenon. So, what they're trying to kind of use in his excuse, okay? I'm not saying that Jesse Duplantis doesn't do all of that. I, I'm pretty sure he does. I'm pretty sure he does work very hard to get your money. All right. I mean, that's what your offering has paid for, those four jets. I don't care if you got one private jet, at least one. I, I, even that is pushing it to me. Because yes, a, a famous preacher who goes along and starts preaching the gospel, yes, they have a very big schedule. They have to, you know, do meetings and all this other stuff. Even a humble preacher that doesn't even need a private jet will also have a lot of things to do in order to keep the church running. That's why you need a team behind you in order to 
kind of take the load off. That's why I believe that um, a preacher who is going to have this magnitude of influence needs a team behind him in order to take the load off. Have some preachers or um, people under him that are also being trained to be preachers or evangelists to represent his ministry and also preach the gospel to where he can't reach because he's only one person. Jesse Duplantis is only one person. But he's taking all this on himself. And that's not good. I don't think he has any other preacher underneath him. I have not seen it. I, ha I don't have any evidence of him having anybody underneath him. Same thing with Kenneth Copeland. Same thing with Creflo Dollar. But with Benny Hinn, yes, he has at least one person underneath him that is also pushing the prosperity gospel in people's faces. But, um... No, as far as the other three preachers that I had talked about, they don't have anybody else underneath them to father up. They're not interested in fathering up anybody or fathering up a team in order to help people get to Christ. They don't care about that. They work hard, very hard, in order to get more money from you. That's it. That's all. I'm on aircraft you're giving us. He said, then when he said, you're going to let your faith stagnate. Now, that caught my attention. When God tells you your faith's stagnating, yeah. you better start listening. Oh, yeah. So, and I thought, stagnating? You I'm, can't stay here. Yeah. You got to do this or you're going to do this. He said this. You're on yeah. So what Kenneth Copeland was about was just saying that, yeah, you're staying static, but you can get higher. You can gain more momentum. We believe in that. Christianity... We believe in gaining momentum. We believe that, you know, we're not meant to stay in one place, all of that stuff. But from where they're standing in a big pile of money, they're saying, you know, yeah, I got this private plane. I got this private jet, but I can get another one. I can get a new one that's faster and more efficient in order to preach the gospel and also, you know, drink my fine wine or Patron, and also, you know, talk to people on the phone with a Rolex and all of that other stuff, and have a vacation wherever I want. That's all they care about. Anyway, before I start babbling about how much I do not like uh, televangelists uh, and, and <laughs> their lifestyle, let me um, private jet. This is something that really angered me when I heard it. And this is why I don't listen to Jesse Duplantis anymore. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Jesse Duplantis. Thank you for tuning in to This Week with Jesse. We're going to be talking about aircraft. You know, I've owned three different jets in my life and I and used them and just burning them up for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, some people believe that preachers shouldn't have jets. I really believe that preachers ought to have and go on every available voice, every available outlet to get this gospel preached to the world. Now, I talk about this in a lot of my messages, and I want you to see this if we can, Caleb. Get it back. This is the very first plane that I purchased for the Lord back in December 1994. And I, I, I said where I began. And then the second one I, I purchased was in January 2004, where I used to be. The one I'm flying right now, and I've been with, it's been with me 12 years, I purchased it in January 2006 
where I am. I want you to get a shot of this one, Caleb. Now, this is the Star Trek Enterprise. This is where I'm going. Praise God, but I believe in God for Okay. Jesus is going to give you the Star Trek Enterprise. That's hilarious. That's so funny. Let me just say this. We're believing God for a brand new Falcon 7X so we can go anywhere in the world one stop. Now, people say, my Lord, can't you go with this one? Yes, but I can't go at one stop. And you see, if I can do it with one stop, I can fly it for a lot cheaper because I have my own fuel farm. And that's what's a blessing of the Lord. But this one here, I have to stop. And then you pay those exorbitant prices for jet fuel all over the world. We've asked the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're believing God. In fact, he told me, Jesse, it was one of the greatest statements the Lord ever told me. He said, Jesse, you want to come up where I'm at? And I thought, what do you mean? He said that before you ask, I'll answer Isaiah 65, 24. I said, yes, Lord. He said, I want you to believe me for a Falcon 7. Okay. He didn't even... Okay. Let me find this scripture that he just threw at our faces. Give me a second. In Isaiah 65, 24, it says... Uh, let me see. And it shall come to pass that before I call, I will answer, and while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Alright. Still, what is the condition of your heart, Jesse? Do you want more people's money in order to get a new jet? Or are you seriously wanting to spread the gospel and money is not an object to you? Like, it's not something that you're concerned about. It's not something that is as important as reaching somebody's soul. That... This is how prosperity preachers are able to twist the Bible. It also says in Matthew 19:24, let me go get it. And again, I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And in 25, when his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. It also says in 23, Then Jesus said unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter the kingdom of heaven. Usually rich men are lovers of money, not lovers of God. And that is the problem when it comes to prosperity gospel. Jesse Duplantis is a lover of money. He wants all those private jets as trophies. And he probably does spread the gospel. But what else is he doing with all the other jets that are just sitting in his hangar? His little hangar deck or whatever it's called. You could be selling those private jets that you don't use anymore. And put the, putting them towards missions. This is why I just... This is why I detest prosperity gospel preachers. Because it's all about them. It's not about God. And then they use the scripture in order to, you know, justify what they're doing. And trust me when I say a rich man is able to follow God. I understand that. Because some people are born into wealth. 
But if that person is called to leave his wealth behind in order to go into a greater cause by preaching the gospel, then he realizes that money is not as powerful as God, and that is good. With man, yes, humans are powerful. With man, only some things are possible. But with God, all things are possible. That's how humans are powerful. When we have God on our side, nothing can stop us. And that's what prosperity preachers are trying to say in order to get into your pocket. Anyway, we're going to keep listening to the video real quick. Because I want you to hear what he says. Now I gotta find it. That's great. Here it is. I said, yes, Lord. He said, I want you to bleed me for a Falcon 7X. So I said, okay. But the first thing I thought of was how I'm going to pay for it. And then a great statement that he told me in 1978 flooded into my mind and said, Jesse, I didn't ask you to pay for it. I asked you to believe for it. Now think about that for a minute. So I like let all people to know exactly what I'm doing in this ministry. We don't hide nothing whatsoever at all. I am a blessed man. You're looking at a blessed man. And we never ask you to give something that me and Kathy don't give ourselves. We believe in that. And that's what it's all about. So think about this. All these, this was paid cash. This was paid cash. This was paid cash. And the new one's going to be paid cash also. Now, let me make this announcement so everybody can understand it. I don't own the plan. This belongs to the ministry. If Jesus tarries and I go by the way of the grave, the next person that's going to take this ministry will use that. Just like we use all the different things that are happening in our ministry today. In other words, if I go home to be with the Lord, you think the buildings are going to shut down? No. Whoever takes the next, takes this ministry, they're going to use the buildings that we built debt-free. Think about that. And let me just say this. We've saved over $20 million. The only reason why it's debt-free is because they, uh, preachers, like people who have churches, they are tax-exempt. They don't have to pay taxes on any of the things that they um buy or any of the things that they use expenses on. That's the only reason why it's debt free. Because you don't got to pay the government anything because you're tax exempt. Building this complex debt free. Twenty that would pay a lot of money toward that wonderful new 7X. So pray about becoming a partner to it if you'd like to. And if you don't you don't have to. But I wish you would because let me tell you something about it. All it's gonna do is touch people. It's going to reach people. It's going to change lives one soul at a time. I don't want to learn how to fly it. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I really believe that if Jesus was physically on the earth today, he wouldn't be riding a donkey. I really believe that if Jesus was physically on the earth today, he wouldn't be riding a donkey. I really believe that if Jesus was physically on the earth today, he wouldn't be riding a donkey. Think about that for a minute. He'd be in an airplane preaching the gospel all over the world. I'm excited also about it. So, okay. So you're speaking for Christ who did ride on a donkey. All right. On Palm Sunday, he returned on a donkey. Or he didn't return, but he came in riding a donkey. Okay. So you're just going to blaspheme that part that Jesus actually did. Okay, Jesse. And also you're going to say, oh yeah, he'll be riding a you know, a hundred thousand dollar jet or a million dollar jet with me because God is a rich kid. Sure, bro. Sure. No, honestly, I believe that if Jesus were 
on the earth, physically walking on earth, he would be someone very unlikely to everybody. I've written a story, I'm still writing a story about how um, I, I believe, you know, how I see heaven. It's like an outer space take on how heaven <laughs> is and um, how the archangels are and what they're assigned to do and everything. And of course, this is my own in interpretation of what heaven is. It's not correct. And I understand that. It could be much more. It probably is most likely much more than what I can ever imagine what heaven is. Okay. But I believe that God has a sense of humor. I believe that God has a sense of humor. He's not going to approach you in a white robe and sandals and say, hey, come follow me. No, God's not like that. I, I don't believe that Jesus is like that. I believe that Jesus, just like his father, has a sense of humor. I believe that if Jesus were here, he would be riding a donkey in 2021 right on the sidewalk while everybody else is driving a car because it gets people to look. <laughs> it gets people to be like, what? That's weird. Jesus is weird in a good way. Jesus is amazing. If Jesus were here, he probably would be riding a donkey just to see how people would react. Just the pure joy of just riding a donkey in 2021 just because he wants to see everybody's reaction. I believe that Jesus has that, um, that sense of humor. Because what kind of God would come down riding a donkey in 2021? I mean, that's how I believe God is. That's how I believe Jesus is, because he does. He has a sense of humor throughout the Bible. Why can't he have a sense of humor now? <laughs> I love that about Jesus. I love that about God, that he can um, just surprise people in in such some some weird ways and some small ways. And it is beautiful. I like that. But um, in the story um, that I wrote or in the story that I'm writing, it's um, about this archangel. Jesus sent her down to, you know, fulfill an assignment with someone that he assigned her to to kind of change this person's life and day one she has to she calls on jesus and is like listen i can't do this this person that you assigned me to is really really mean what am i supposed to do but he doesn't approach her as how we believe jesus would approach anybody in a white robe and sandals and curly brown hair. He approaches her as a child, a little girl with a red balloon. Out of nowhere. And he does, he says, what kind of God would approach you as a little girl? He has a sense of humor. That's how I see God. Okay? That's just how I see God. God is not going to be this expected image that other people see that other people can find him to be. God's not like that. Jesus is not like that. He's the unexpected, and he's wonderfully unexpected. But going back to what Jesse Duplantis said, of course he'd be riding on a donkey. You know what he would do? 
Jesse, if he was following you to the cockpit and saw what he <laughs> and saw what you have, he would probably roll his eyes at you. Like, okay. You know what? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go cross country in a car or something. You know, you can't necessarily just speak for Christ when apparently you don't know him that well, Jesse, because he did ride on a donkey. And just because it happened in that time where airplanes didn't exist doesn't mean that he wouldn't be able to do it again. God is unlikely. He does things in the most strange and beautiful ways. So yes, if Jesus did approach me, Honestly, right now, he would probably approach me as the maintenance man or something for my apartment. You know? That's just how I believe Jesus works. I could be wrong, but I don't believe he's going to be that into himself and also disgrace the word of God and ride a million dollar airplane when you could be investing all those millions into reaching his children that hardly have any food, water, or don't even know the name of Jesus Christ. That's the problem I have with you, Jesse Duplantis. I could say so much about Jesse Duplantis, about him saying that he went to heaven and back, and how he believes that we're little gods, and how God asked him for advice. I don't think God is going to be asking you advice at any time soon, Jesse. Just saying. But I remember him talking about how he went to heaven and back, and how he, um, ended up talking about how he went to heaven and how he met Abraham and Peter and like he didn't die he didn't die and go to heaven like usually people who have these stories they usually have some health complications and they die and go to heaven or they die and go to hell for a little bit and then they come back in order to tell people about it I believe in that I do um, but with, um, Jesse, he has made himself up to be, um, this person that has been taken up into heaven, like, Elijah, and, um, I, I don't necessarily believe in it. I just don't, I don't know if it's just because of how he is now, or maybe I'm just mature enough to know that this isn't real that what he said isn't real. But I do, I want to believe in it because the way he said things, he, he met Abraham and Abraham knew him by name and Peter knew him by name and, and Jesus comes by and they're walking side by side and he says that, you know, as he stepped on the grass, the, the flowers would move away from his feet because they didn't want to be crushed and how there's colors beyond our imagination that are up there and there's so many fruits and and foods that we don't have here on earth and how uh heaven is just a place of 
work. It's just a place of good work where there's so many people. Everybody in heaven has a job. Everybody in heaven is um, helping run it, basically. It's um, a place of great work, but everybody is just having a good time working for Christ. And that it's a form of praise for Christ. And I loved that. I loved that story when I heard it. I'm just like, wow, he went to heaven and he saw all this? He saw all this and he walked side by side with Jesus. But because of how he has ended up, okay, that story came around the time when he started preaching. Um, when he just started preaching, when he just started coming out as an evangelist, as a preacher. And the only reason why I don't believe in it is because of how he turned out today. And um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I am. That's okay. Maybe God will correct me later on. But when it comes to Jesse Duplantis, yeah, dude, he broke my heart. He did. Because I thought he was just the most fun preacher out there preaching the gospel. And now I find out that he has, um, he's gone down a road just like Kenneth Copeland and Paula White and Cruffalo Dollar and all those other televangelism people. They only want your money. That's the, that's the ugly part of televangelism is that it's just business. They run their ministry like a business. You put money in it, hey, you're going to be blessed. But the only person that's going to be blessed is the preacher. And even some churches now that don't even have a TV slot, they see that and they think that that's actually how ministry should be run. That's actually how ministry should be run. And there's so many churches out there today in real life that are run like that. And they have so much money, but they don't have the congregation that they're supposed to have. Some churches will have these big, beautiful campuses and not enough people to give. Or they'll have too many people to give. And hey, just like a televangelist church, run smoothly like a machine. You put in money, the ministry profits, you don't. And that's one of the reasons why I decided to quit church. I don't go to church. I refuse to go to church because... I mean, me and my husband are looking, but it's hard to find the real gospel preached nowadays that is real enough to where the Holy Spirit addresses your spirit and you're called and you're you're touched by what this person says that you know it's the truth that your discernment knows it's the truth instead of being manipulated it's hard nowadays to find a good church that preaches the true gospel nowadays. And it's sad. 
And I, I know God knows that it's sad. He's disappointed by it. He's saddened by it. Because they used his word as... They used his word in order to get as much money as they could. And then they put, instead of putting God first, they put money first. Instead of worshiping God, they worship money. They are lovers of money. They lust after money. They don't want God. No. No, God is only an instrument in order to propel the money coming through. If you mention Jesus, oh, how much money am I going to get when I say Jesus in my sermon? How much money am I going to get when I mention Jesus has called me to get, uh, ask you for $1,000 out of your bank account? How much money am I going to get when I mention Jesus or the Holy Spirit? It is only an instrument that makes the business look good. And that is what I hate. That is what I do not like about televangelism in general. It's because they don't care. They don't care what's actually in this Bible. They only pick and choose what sermons or what scriptures they use from the Bible. They only care, they only care about the small ones. They only care about the ones that benefit them. And then if they find something that they don't like, then they twist it in order to make it look good so that they can get more money. That, my friend, is demonic. You think that the devil can't use religion in order to manipulate people? I proved my point already that that is true. That Satan does do that. I would talk about Paula White and Joel Osteen, but I am exhausted from talking about this. Uh, I don't think people understand that when I talk about something on my podcast, it's because I'm passionate about it. And I have so much passion to the point where after I'm done talking, I'm exhausted by it. Sometimes. Because I just have so much uh, anger or passion to the point where it just makes me so tired. I, I just... I have to get it out. I have so much to say about the things that I talk about that I have to. I have to talk about it. So for anybody who is listening, and if you're not a believer and you've listened uh, this far, oh good lord, thank you so much. <laughs> um, I, I don't know what you think of me, but that's okay. But God bless you for listening throughout this whole podcast of me just exposing these preachers and also me preaching, which I said I'm not sorry about, but um, if you don't believe in God, I love you. I hope to God one day you will find, you know, I hope and pray that you do find God. I do. Um, 
but trust me, I'm not trying to push my religion down your throat. I'm not trying to make you believe in Christianity and no, you don't have to be a Christian as a requirement to listen to me. I just happen to be a podcaster who is a Christian and who believes in God, who is a follower of Christ and who is very passionate about talking about him. You can listen or you can choose not to listen. Just know that I love you equally. I don't care if you uh, choose not to listen or if you turn it off. It is what you choose to do. Just know that I love all of my listeners equally. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what you believe in. I love you with all of my heart, honestly, because you have to realize that I came from a life where my voice didn't matter. And because of that, and because I have a podcast, I have so many people from different countries listening to me. I never believed in, for I've never believed that I have ever had that much of an influence in anybody's life. And I get messages on my Instagram from people who say, hey, you are really good at what you do. A lot of things that you say are awesome and very correct and very just, you hit home with me, bro. And I'm just like, that touches my heart. It does. You have no idea how thankful I am just by someone replying to me like that. It is so amazing that people are starting to listen to me. Because I came from a life that, yeah, no one listened to me. Because I was the mentally ill girl. I was the the girl that didn't know anything. That I just liked to run my mouth and nobody really cared about what I said. But now, I don't even know how many countries are listening to me now. I think maybe 25, 28 countries, different countries are listening to me. And I thank God for it. And I love it. I love it so much. I love it so much. I love everyone so much that are listening. And I I, I just, I can't, I keep expressing it uh, more and more just because it's just becoming unbelievable to me. It is. Um... But I love it. I love it. I love that my voice matters to you. And just know that there are preachers out there. There are people out there that have a raw connection with God and want to share the gospel with you in a loving way. They want to love you through your process in life. That, that want to support you in your process in life and how you progress. Um, and that's, that's all I really got to say. Um, I will see you guys in the trenches next time. Thank you so much for listening. Like I said, if you're either a believer or you're not a believer, I love you both. I love both sides of y'all. I just, if I could, I would give you all a big hug. Thank you guys. Bye.